part two chapter sixteen of if all these young men by romer wilson this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part two london chapter sixteen the shropshire lad blanchard took off his opera hat and hung it upon a stand against the balcony of the restaurant then he took off his white muffler and his overcoat and in order to hang these up had to lift his hat from the peg where it swung if he had been a frenchman he would have closed his hat and put it in a cape pocket and he became conscious of the clumsiness of his actions and of the fact that he was the only man in the place who wore an evening suit he seemed in his boiled shirt and silk-lined tail-coat to have stepped out of a picture by mars to be a ridiculous young dandy feather-brained and debauched come from a casino where he had compromised his word with a young lady for to-night and to-night was a date in the nineties he looked round at a table in the corner sat chloe ferguson susan's sister beside her was a man he did not know he could see a part of everett sharp's dress and her chin sebastian hunt's face a piece of josephine's coat and major ferguson's unmistakable neck there was a fat italian waiter leaning over the table in the place where he was going to sit all the tables in the square balcony were crowded there seemed to be many hands and faces and black clothes cigars wine bottles cigarettes and soldiers uniforms some of which had bright silk order ribbons in little rows upon them just beside him was a huge officer in a greenish khaki coat he could see the black hairs on the skin behind the ears and the working of the muscles of the shoulders as the officer moved he could hear the words the man said but they came to him as loud sounds without meaning and he could hear behind them other sounds flat in tone and also meaningless and the room below over the well of the balcony was full of the same sounds softer and more flat he cast a glance down over the railing and had a fainter impression of hands and faces amongst black patches and patches of white and khaki for a second he lost his sense of the normal and saw the whole scene as an effect of tones in light and sound changing with smooth eternal progress he moved he went to the table in the corner the waiter made way for him and he sat down all these people were in modern times there were two officers at his table the man he did not know who was now introduced to him as captain blake and major ferguson he looked round the four-square table at the people there removed his table napkin from his plate opened it out and felt at enmity with his surroundings chloe laughed and said well james it is a very very long time since we had the pleasure of your company at dinner he was aware that susan was sitting down in the chair beside him they had come together and they were going on to dance he had no need to reply because susan said to her sister i am so sorry we are late i am so glad you have come darling susan said chloe what ages it is since i have seen you you are looking very well here she laughed apparently without any meaning and you too james everett said to her how are you my dear sebastian gurgled hello susan susan cried dear chloe dear harold and the family greetings were over chloe laughed again and looked with her dark bright eyes at susan she was the most lively the most vivacious of all the sharps and in her that interest in human affairs was a craving a passion an insatiable appetite some people called her enthusiastic others said she was consumed with curiosity josephine who sat in silence between harold and sebastian 
watched her look at susan and felt that she was burning with desire to know what exactly at that precise moment there might be between her sister and blanchard blanchard affected an air now of being unable to repress himself and turning to chloe began to overflow with conversation susan turned to major ferguson everett began to talk with jim blake about canada he came from canada and he was her cousin josephine and sebastian sat there in utter silence nobody would have suspected that sebastian's hand had ever held hers sentimentally or that sentimental thoughts had ever passed between them they both appeared lonely and depressed and were in fact cold and miserable they wanted to shrink away into separate holes to slink out into solitude war sickness and misanthropy blanchard's presence in the clothes of peace made the whole of her dream of the world appear false to josephine and she suddenly wished that he would go away for he seemed like a ballet dancer in a church like a comic song in solemn music like cards at dawn the acute pain of the sensation passed and she found herself outside the range of the dinner-party and the restaurant away from humanity and life always she seemed to be passing away or to be dying but no longer did she pass out to the war but to a region where there seemed to be only sand dunes grey mist and cold my dear heart cried captain blake above the conversation bless my soul with her beautiful face she could command all the angels of heaven captain blake had the aspect of a languorous cavalryman he was handsome and pale with a small black moustache and his hair was going a little grey at the temples to his remark there appeared to be no reply or at any rate none was made so he added and she has a beautiful soul she's a saint and a martyr i saw her the other day in a dirty little office looking as holy as joan of arc in her uniform and i said to her come let us go out and sit on a beautiful cloud and make love and all she answered was damn you jim damn you jim think of that now and me a poor orphan without neither father nor mother say ain't it awful kid ain't you sorry for me captain blake smiled at the end of this speech which contained all the dialect canadian accents he thought fit to introduce he was powerless to keep away from what he appeared to term vaudeville susan whom he addressed across the table laughed and said good good go on jim jim turned to chloe however and asked what was it like in paris beautiful and wicked city oh ah and smacked his lips and rolled his eyes a very wicked city indeed full of lost angels blanchard found this man with the same name as himself amusing but blanchard's own conversation ran dry when captain blake began to talk all the intricate highly involved civilization of his existence did not suit the occasion he had the sensation that he was a submarine listening to a dolphin he thought that he could understand the dolphin but that the dolphin had no conception of his intricate bellyful tell me about paris said captain blake again to chloe she looked across at her athletic husband and replied it was simply awful at the end i felt i had simply to get away or i should have had to stay there until the end of the war she laughed without merriment and continued but harold and i had a splendid time at the beginning then she again looked at her strong black-haired husband who smiled and said in his deep voice very hurriedly yes it was splendid she continued to speak we stayed at a little house near the tuileries in the rue rouget de lille yes yes i know ejaculated blanchard behind the continental josephine recollected that when she was eight years old she had stayed at the continental 
and saw dimly palm trees in a vast lounge and tables that were level with their shoulders at which huge people sat yes continued chloe it was very expensive she laughed again we had a room au dujim and it was really rather extravagant here she slightly altered the tone of her undercurrent of laughter and seemed to recall something amusing a joke perhaps told her by her husband well get on cried susan as she usually did when anybody paused in a narration we had terribly little to eat she said and sebastian at this point laughed but we had a splendid time we went to a theatre and saw pierrat in a dreadfully bad play and we saw horace at the comedie francaise oh really cried susan with disgust cornet really susan cried everett in the same tone and again sebastian laughed josephine looked quickly in turn all the time at the seven people at the table to see how they held the conversation and now she ventured into it herself did you mind the big gun she said again chloe looked at her husband and everybody at the table followed her glance across to him and back to herself and throughout beyond herself to a blankness which she was to fill for them with paris and a projectile falling upon it from seventy-five miles away she answered no we did not mind it very much she evidently did not wish to describe her feelings in regard to it or else she had not had any don't talk about it cried everett the mere idea of it makes me positively sick josephine's anger rose against the sharps as chloe immediately changed the conversation we saw grock ha ha laughed blanchard in spite of her feelings josephine again attempted to join in the conversation and turning to major ferguson remarked don't you think he's grand he's my notion of a clown yes yes he replied in a voice which suggested a deep hurried muffled drumming i think he is a great man he is a jest cried blanchard sententiously we had never seen him before said chloe my good girl cried susan feigning to be astonished really good god really not seen grock who is this beautiful unknown asked captain blake a clown replied blanchard hurriedly so as to preserve the continuity of the conversation but in spite of him altogether the women gave a minute description of grock's abilities at last the conversation flowed again do you see many women at chester jim asked chloe no he answered very seriously i don't seek the society of women i want very little of it and that the best blanchard pricked his ears here was something in common between this man and himself perhaps a similar method of navigating the same ocean region josephine also opened her ears wider when i see a woman in uniform james said i am glad for her sake there is a war they are enjoying it yes poor things remarked susan major ferguson appeared to be about to speak but he did not speak and josephine felt as if these remarks were a little distasteful to him captain blake was caused by a transit of sympathy to look across at him and say harold believes in the perfectly glorious loveliness of the human race which is the finest thing god ever made doubtless he could have made of himself a better image but doubtless he never did then suddenly he turned toward susan and continued do you remember giving me ever so long ago way back in our youth a copy of those beautiful poems the shropshire lad well i gave it to a very dear friend i was sure that you would not mind and now i am sorry i mean that little copy that just goes in your pocket there are times when one feels again as if one's heart was going out going out to the dear country of your blessed and beautiful england and then you remember the lads that will die in their glory and never be old here again he began to assume the disguise of a mimic and said oh kid it's man to man on god's earth 
but josephine saw that he was serious blanchard who had begun to talk scandal about the khedive of egypt looked up he carried a copy of the shropshire lad in his waistcoat pocket he continued his story now mechanically ready at any moment to break off and if need be defend houseman susan groaned in imitation of horror at captain blake's sentimentality but at the same time quoted o tarnished late on wenlock edge gold that i never see something in the tone of his voice gave blanchard a feeling of a string drawn tight in his throat he wanted to say aloud you miss it you miss it it doesn't appeal to women no no you miss it his throat immediately was relieved and he added to himself alive with warmth of love it is as that man says man to man on uh, no in nature he thought himself alone of all the people there in appreciation of houseman's poems and houseman's philosophy houseman's heart belonged here to the native country of his heart he was to himself at best a shropshire lad he had the same doubts and fears this is the land of lost content he ejaculated the thought in his silent voice and looked stealthily at susan perhaps the shropshire lad loved more carelessly than he did cared less for the responsibilities was more chivalrous less cautious more bountiful more human perhaps he cared not so much where he kissed but kissed with his heart every time blanchard found himself to-night out of love with hearts and kisses and almost astonished that he had come out to go to a dance with susan at the same time he put his hand on susan's and said well we must go to the ball after the ball was over cried susan exactly blanchard replied the beautiful princess murmured captain blake changed into a poor little chimney-sweeper and the prince was left with only a little glass slipper everett who had put her hand on sebastian's now quickly made a silly remark and as she said it elevated her eyebrows and laughed and chloe laughed and sebastian giggled her remark ended the conversation because susan had already risen and was saying i am afraid we must go dear chloe and dear harold it has been sweet of you to have us you must write and tell me everything you read harold and dear jim i must send you another copy of the shropshire lad that will be beautiful of you answered captain blake blanchard who had put on his coat and wound his white neckcloth round his neck took his crush hat pressed it against him and bowed all round at the company missing out josephine and finally susan seized his arm and dragged him away saying a little self-consciously clown and then she added come along james don't be absurd when they had gone chloe and jim blake major ferguson and everett began to talk in serious conversation but josephine sat back in silence and sebastian fell into a half doze it seemed to josephine that though she had a thousand sympathies with society she never could belong to it she saw men and women in their daily lives as toys without feelings expressing in mimetic actions the evolutions of creation beneath them she looked at them again and lost her sense of their bodily aspect and of that form in which each shows his character and they appeared transparent shadows making a whole through coincidence and superimposition she blinked her mind's eye and they appeared soulless toys she blinked and they became formless souls all her acquaintances and friends presented to-night no exteriors or such exteriors as they showed were mere marks oh the comings and goings of a man's life she thought and looked at blanchard's seat where he still seemed to sit a painted papier-mache figure with a strongly coloured face and a fixed smile also she thought how can i live i cannot treat these people as dolls 
and i cannot when i see them shifting like kaleidoscopes under my gaze fix an aspect of them to be social to i have no manners she sighed because she was at a loss she felt very strange and lonely and wished more than ever to creep away and hide she knew these people around her so well they all meant so much to her but she meant nothing to them they were part of creation blessed and to be loved together with the houses and the trees dogs trams newspapers and the rest of civilization they were the world but she as she sat there apart from them was an outcast i'm an outcast she thought i'm not part of what they see i must see life wrong i am perhaps mad end of part two chapter sixteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine